Hi, everyone. You're listening to Superwoman. Today's guest is Carrie Cooper, the president and COO of Rothy's, an incredible, hugely successful brand of footwear, and they're just getting started. Take a listen. I'm sitting here with Carrie Cooper, the president and COO of Rothy's. And if you haven't heard about Rothy's shoes, well, you live under a rock because uh, their story, their rise to shoe kingdomness is everywhere. And so I'm really happy that you're joining me today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So tell me a little bit of your story. You said, you know, before we started recording that there was two tech bros that you said, come join you and you were nervous. They're not tech bros at all. That was what I was worried they were. <laughs> right. um, so yeah, so I joined Rothy's in um, late 2017. Um, we were 20 people, maybe. And when I joined, Roth you know, had built one of the largest art galleries on the West Coast, and Stephen was an investment banker. So very different skills, but they're also just amazing human beings. And so when I first joined, I joined as a consultant of like, I'll help you with half my time while I think about what I really want to do. And I just fell in love with the company. And like, I think two months in consulting, and I've been helping him structure and hire the team. I was like hiring people I wanted to work with. And I was like, what am I doing? I should take this job. Like this should be a job I want. So I joined officially in February of 2018. And what did the company look like then? Well, first of all, sorry, let me let me go back. What is Rothy's? So we make beautiful, stylish, um, incredibly comfortable shoes um, fully sustainably. So primarily out of plastic water, recycled plastic water bottles, but everything we do kind of head to toe is sustainable. Wow. That's not easy. No. So what did the boys, am I allowed to call them boys? They're not boys. Okay. They're so, they're, yeah. What no, did these talented men, yeah. <laughs> these talented entrepreneurs, um, what did they see in you for this role when you started? Well, I think neither of them, they were both really honest if we've never built a company, right? So an investment banker, it's not a company and a art, you know, Roth is super entrepreneurial. He had done like three different kind of things that he built on his own, but neither of them had ever scaled anything. And my background was sort of the other side, which is, you know, I spent six years at Levi's in supply chain and then running stores. And then I'd spent three years at ModCloth building it from you know, early days to, to, you know, peak. I was at Walmart for three years. So Fortune One, you kind of have a different view of what e-commerce is. And so, I think, you know, I know how to structure and build teams. That's what I love to do. Um, and I think that's, you know, it makes for a great partnership when you have founders that have what doing what they love to do coupled with, you know, other people around you that do something that you don't do well. So one thing that I struggle with constantly is finding people that can build teams is a very special skill set that is so valuable. Mm -hmm. What are some of the key learnings that you have either learned or applied that allows you to build and scale teams because we struggle with it at our company mm -hmm. and it's just a very, you know, your, your business is your people. And then if you mess that up, then it shows on the outside. Mm -hmm. I'm far from perfect. I mean, I think that the good news is I've done it for long enough that I've made mistakes and figured out how to fire people the right way and not the right way. I've figured out how to hire the right and the wrong people. I've made lots of, lots of, oh gosh, that wasn't right. They looked good in the interview and they're not so good. I think now more than anything in culture, you have to make sure you're being consistent with what it is you're hiring for and what you're looking for. And life's too short to work with people who have sharp elbows. So we're hiring people I really want to work with. I think all of us love our jobs. Like it helps to be part of a company that's doing something with a good purpose. Um, you know, I feel like every shoe we're making is like more, it's benefit to the world instead of like another, you know, at ModCloth, I think a lot of the fast fashion is not so healthy. Right. Um, so selling another dress doesn't feel so great. Um, we're at this place. I think we're all excited about what we can do with this technology and what we can do to build it. So it helps to have a place where people really want to be. And then you have to really focus on, am I hiring the right people? Do I think about 
what I love to do and what's draining to me and what's energizing to me and how do I balance that with other people? Like, you know, I, one of the things I think about, we put SAP in, which is kind of mind numbing um, for me, but we have this amazing woman, Gretchen, who loves SAP. So like finding someone like the Gretchens in the world who think that that job is a great job because she loves the making sure every, you know, I is dotted and T is crossed and that all of the um, schedules are lining up the right way is perfect. I need that. It's not what I love to do. And I think that's probably some of the balance. I think when we, early on, it's you doing every job and then it's thinking about like, what are the jobs you don't love to do? And for your team too, like, what are the things they don't love to do? And do you need to hire? Like, how do you promote from within as much as you can? And then where do you need to bring someone in where you're not training them on the job, how to do something, but they come in knowing how to do it. And there's always a balance there. Right. And so how into the weeds do you get these days? Well, I think it, I like to know what everyone on the team is doing. Like, yeah. I don't like to, I, you know, I, I want to understand. Team? We're at 100. Wow. Yeah. Okay. It feels really big. And do you say how big the company is? Well, we said last year we did $140 million in revenue. Wow. That we, is incredible. All, all direct to consumer. All direct. Wow. We've recycled $38 million water bottles, um, which is probably one I'm more proud of than yeah. know, the revenue follows behind that. But um, And there's so much more that's to come, I think. Um, one of Roth's special things is he's just this relentless, like thinking three years from now, where can we be? And so he's out looking at new materials all the time and new you know, product. And I think part of my job is also like, how do we manage this growth in the right way? Because we started with two shoes and one website. We now have one store. It's not far from your store in San Francisco, um, but we're opening six. We're opening globally. So we do sort of like, how do you manage like this proliferation of growth? Because every one that you do there keeps making it bigger and bigger and scarier. So prior to being at Rothy's, what were some of the highs and lows of your career? I started working when I was eight. Um, I grew up in a poor family and I love to work. So I think I've, every job I've had, I've liked for its own reasons. I think if you look back and regret what you've done, then you're sort of in a bad spot. Like if I had any regret, maybe I would have been a pediatrician instead of an engineer out of college, but you know, whatever, like those, those are decisions that you just, that's where I am now. I had kids in the middle. I got promoted at Levi's to VP when I was seven months pregnant. I had two young kids, not, you know, a little younger than yours are now even. Um, it's hard. It's hard to find that balance. I think um, I don't, you can't A-B test like what <laughs> what would have happened if I had been around more or less. Like I traveled a lot with all of my jobs. Like when I was at Walmart, I went to Bentonville 30 times in three years. Wow. I know Bentonville well. I'm <laughs> I've made La Quinta gold. <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> um, you know you've hit the middle of the country when you've hit La, La Quinta, Quinta gold. gold. Yes. Yep. It's, a, it's, it's a badge of honor for sure. So I don't know. What have you missed there? So highs and lows. Like I think I have, you know, a great relationship with my kids and um and they're, you know, maybe the assuaging of working mom guilt is they're super independent. And um, you know, if they forget their clarinet, then they'll get it tomorrow because they're not gonna get it today. Right. So I don't think that's a regret in any way, but I just don't know. Right. Like I've I've had jobs where I've been on the road a lot and that's um it makes for like my most important thing to me is being a great mom and wife and, yeah. and finding that balance is always a challenge. Yeah. We talk a lot about balance on this show just because everyone has a different version of balance, mm -hmm. right? Everyone has different levels of what's right or wrong or feels too much or too little. I'm currently airing on, I'm not, not being the most present mother, mother right now. Uh, and I keep saying, oh, in two weeks, that'll be over. What, but sometimes it's what five it, minutes at a time. Sometimes it's not like I got to go sit there for four hours. Sometimes it can just be the, you know. Yeah. My daughter just wrote her college application essays and it made me cry. But one of them was me reading to them when they were little and like the choices of books that I had and why I chose them. Which so, you know, as you think about those things, like, you know, it feels good. Totally. So your kids are how old now? 17 and 15. Okay. And when you got promoted to VP at Levi's? Livy was 
um, 15 months and Henry, I was seven months pregnant. So wow. my kids are 18 months apart. So I'm curious to hear your perspective because I've heard some people say like, always be excited. Like mommy gets to go to work and then never be ashamed. Like, oh, I have to go to work. And I'm like, but I also want to be real with my kids. And I want, I don't want them to think it's always rosy mm-hmm. and that I don't want to leave. Did you, did you experience that? Like, what do I tell them as I'm going off every day and sometimes working late or traveling? I think it probably depends on age. I yeah. think when they're really little, like you, I probably was rosier of like, I get to go to work. How fun is this? And not making it like mommy's crying on the way out because she's leaving them. Like right. they, they don't need to see that. <laughs> right. Um, as my kids are now older, I think I think they appreciate Like I love my job um, and I love what I'm doing. And they, they you can't hide from them the ups and downs. Like when things are bad at work, um, my last company, I had a term sheet I worked on to sell the company for seven months and it fell apart. And they see that, they know, like, because the other thing is, you know, when you're working on an M&A, you, ca- you can't tell your team, right? So you're like just compartmentalizing everything. Right. Um, M&A means merger. Merger and acquisition. That's yes. when like a company is going to buy you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had it all, it was, it was like the greatest thing planned and then, you know, it fell apart and, you know, that stuff happens and they see that. And I think, I don't know, I think being vulnerable with your kids is actually helpful for them too, because they know you're not superwoman. Totally. That's what I, I don't want them to have this false idea of what women should mm-hmm. be, right? Like we're perfect all the time. We always have our shit together. Mm-hmm. My husband has a big job too. Yeah. So it's actually good. Like I think one of the things you probably see too is, you know, in elementary school, like, you know, there's a little bit of guilt of like, okay, well, I'm the only mom that's not staying behind because I'm working. And sometimes they're, you know, the mom's working, but the dad is at home. Like at Walmart, that was the case where most of the officers that were women had husbands who stayed at home. And I'm really proud of the fact I didn't, you know, I married a husband who wanted me to be me and I want him to be him. And I think there's a balance there, but that's really hard. Yeah. So who, who else is in your support system to oh, make had, that go? We've had series of nannies and au pairs. <laughs> and, yeah. the they've, whole. they've all come to Olivia's volleyball games and like one of the stay-at-home moms and the team's like, how many, vo- how many babysitters have you had? I'm like, a lot. A lot, right? <laughs> it, it takes a village. village. <laughs> totally. So what are you working on right now that excites you? 2020 is like the land of growth for us of, um, you know, we're going to open some stores globally. Um, and that is fun. We're opening stores. We have three here, three on the, um, that'll open this year and three that'll open early next year. Um, two in New York, one Boston, one DC, two in LA. And we've got a ton of new product coming. So next week we're launching wool, which is our first, um, product we've ever launched with. It's not all recycled plastic. Um, it's 75 wool, 25 recycled plastic, which is just like a sweater, right? You know, if you take a sweater, you know, but it gives the structure that, that helps the wool stay stronger in, in the way that it, it, it's knit. Um, and sheep have to be shorn. So it's our first non-vegan shoe as well. Um, but sheep have to be shorn. And that we've, we've picked these, you know, amazing Tasmanian, you know, sheep. Um, that need to get their hair cut. They need to get their hair cut. they'll overheat. Mm-hmm. So you're not harming them. No. So, okay. but it's very really, good. But this wool is so fun. It's, you know, it's an interesting to try new product and that, you know, sort of first of many, I think that we can do have, how do you think about what sustainable uh, materials are that aren't only recycled plastic and recycled rubber? Right. And what do women do with the shoes afterwards? Do they recycle them? They can. We just surveyed actually, like the, we call them like the OGs, like the original, like when Roth and Steven did this, they had like this whole first set of people that the fit wasn't right. So they had to restart over, but they're still lasting. The beauty of the shoe is it really is durable. Um, so we have there, you know, there may be things where like I fell off a curb and it, um, it unraveled. Um, so we have some, I mean, it's not to say that, that the shoe is completely um, indestructible, but it's pretty indestructible. Good to know. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this, because we struggle with this as we grew, is uh, we grew in the early years so fast and so quickly that we sort of forgot about our internal culture. And it mm-hmm. was just like, everyone hold on, you know, we're going on the whitewater rapids. Mm-hmm. And then you look back and the team is either scarred or they're in shock, right? 
some leave because they can't handle that type of propulsion. Mm-hmm. With your impressive growth, what have been some of the key things you've done to really make your team feel stabilized or not, or culture-wise feel great or not? It's so hard. Um, <laughs> and in San Francisco, real estate is so expensive. So the other problem you have is like, how much do I lease? And like, how do I get the team big enough? And we are in Jackson Square, which we love the neighborhood and don't want to leave. And there are not very many big places. So we're in three different offices, which is hard because you end up with one team here and one team there. And it's keeping that cross-functionally working is hard. We do a weekly all hands every Wednesday. In fact, I'm missing it right now. But um you know, I think I believe in bring your whole self to work, right? So I'll share, you know, here's like, I just got back from a two weeks around the world trip and, you know, shared pictures of here's how the factory's working. Here's what the knitting looks like. You know, here's what we did in Milan. And then, you know, I would guess half the team is less than a year tenure, maybe more. Wow. Um, and so, you know, sort of reminding, new. yeah, reminding people who other people are, what are they doing? Why are we here? How does it fit together? What's going on with business? I'm pretty open on numbers. Um, Cause I think it's, you know, maybe at some point we'll have to, rein it in, but I'd rather have people know and know what's coming than feel like there's something being held from them. Totally. And, you know, I think there's always more you could be doing better, right? And so learning from that too, you know, we launched a breast cancer shoe yesterday that we messed up. Um, So we- How did you mess up? The intention is that you buy a shoe from a collection and you can gift one to a survivor. And we did it last year and, and, and we're donating to BCRF too, but it went live for about 45 minutes that you could buy it. And so people, we have addicted customers who are like, and they came in and they bought them and they were meant to be all gifted. They weren't meant to ever be purchased. Uh, and um, and it was like, yeah, we make mistakes like that. You know, it's right. like that one, we just shot ourselves in the foot. Like we shouldn't, you know, that was a mistake. Um, I didn't want to cancel the orders of the people who bought them because it wasn't necessarily their fault. I mean, right. but it's frustrating. Do you then uh, message to your customers when you do the, like, do you take onus on your mess ups? We do. Yeah. We have such a social customer anyway. They're calling us out on it anyway. Right. Um, you know, we, we hear a lot. <laughs> the good, you hear the good, the bad, the ugly. Oh, you hear it. Our DC has had a, sh- a slowdown the last three weeks and we're slow on shipping product and our customers are irate. You know, I, I needed this for this trip. I need, you know, they're right to be irate. It's not fair to wait two weeks for a shoe. I mean, it's right. just, that's not acceptable, but it makes us look bad. And it's really, that's like, you know, it's like, you know, every, you know, it is our brand. It is who we are. We've messed it up. So we emailed out, you know. off to like try and make it better. Right. It still doesn't work. I mean, you can do the best you can to assuage people from being really angry, but they're right to be angry. And it's really frustrating. So I agree with you and I disagree with you because I've been through similar challenges where the customer is irate and angry. And then I'm like, oh my God, be angry about like climate change. (laughs) It's just a shoe. (laughs) Be angry about the political (laughs) crisis in our country, right? (laughs) This is just a bag that's arriving three days late. Like sometimes I do, like I... I get it, but like I get stuff laid all the time and I don't know why it doesn't bother me. But yeah, I think um, I'm with you and I think we've all had bad days where you just get really frustrated. And I think when you sit in your shoes or my shoes, you look at the world maybe a little differently too, where you're like, gosh, they're having a hard time. You know, other companies, like there's no schadenfreude from other companies messing up, but you see it and you're like, hey, you know, we're all human. Totally. I think that's what's forgotten is what I'm trying to say is like some people forget that there's humans making all this happen and humans inevitably will fuck up. Yeah. And uh, just be a little nicer. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it's sometimes like, you know, if you had this shoe that had to be the right thing for this exact trip that you wanted and we screwed it up because, you know, and it was your 11th shoe that you bought from us and you can't believe that we messed it up. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. The customer's always right. Are you listening? She's sorry, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry. So outside of your work, what do you do to de-stress or just refocus? 
I read voraciously. I love to read um, and I exercise every day. I think. Um, what kind of exercise? I walk the dogs every morning. I have two dogs. Okay. Um, so I walk them every morning and I love to be outside. Like it's good to just get a little fresh air. Um, and I have a Peloton at home that I adore. Um, everybody around me knows that I love my Peloton. So um, I feel a little bougie talking about it in some ways. You're like, okay, one on one. But um, it's so nice to have something in my garage that I don't have to commute to a gym, work out, come home. Like it just saves me time. That's how I make time. Totally. Um, but if I don't get up and exercise, I'm not happy. Um, there was a great a Michelle Obama quote of like a happy mom is a happy house. Like let's start there totally. and it's easy to let that go, but it's, you know, it's not good. Yeah. I am. Um, I was just reading that like lots of uh, moms, they're so worried about taking care of everybody else and then they forget about themselves, but they're, they're so focused on, I failed my children. I failed my husband. I failed at work that even they're, they're failing themselves so much. They're not even aware of that. Like, right. They haven't even hit bottom. Well, I used to always talk about like my job is managing disappointment because I'm disappointing someone somewhere. Like <laughs> I can manage. It's such an unhealthy way to look at the world because like yeah. I'm doing the best I can. Totally. What pearls of wisdom would you give to listeners who either want to start a company or want to, you know, help build a company? I think a lot of us sit with ideas in our head of like, hey, what would this look like and how could I do this? Um, one of the things I in between jobs, I was looking at things. I was, you know, sort of, you know, I'm always tinkering on what could be next. Um, it's good just to spend time thinking about like, okay, if you were going to start something, what would it look like? Who are your competitors? And maybe like in the source of that resourcing, of that research, you um, you find a company that's doing what you want to do and you can, you know, go figure out how you could be helpful. Um, I consulted for a long time with different companies to try and figure out what I wanted to do. And I love consulting. Like it's a nice way to see an industry and to see like, is this a team I like? Um, is this an, you know, a culture that's good? I love entrepreneurship. I've been, a, um, I graduated from HBS forever ago and I've been an entrepreneur in residence there for the last four years. What does that mean? Um, I have office hours in, on campus and I get, um, it's for the whole school, but mostly I probably get like two thirds HBS students and a third from the college whether it's like the medical school or the Kennedy school and they come with a, Hey, here's what I want to go do. And like, all I can say is like, go try it. Cause there's nothing that's going to harm, you know, they, there's like no time in your life that's better than to go start something. And even if you have to pivot it 10 times to get where you finally end up, yeah. um, it, there's nothing, it's just the first step. That's the hard step. Like go do it. Yeah. And I always think like, go do it at that age, right? <laughs> at, when you're young and you like are not too saddled with debt. Right. You can live you, on rice and beans. You're happy to live in a small apartment with a couple of roommates. Totally. You, know? you don't have kids. You're not trying to figure out all this stuff. You could just go like head down and work it out. And if it totally fails, then you're going to learn from that too. And you'll figure out where that goes next. And that's part of where I think people get in their head. Like, I don't know. I think we celebrate entrepreneurs in a, in a really good way. They deserve it. But in other ways, we gloss over all the hard part and the 27 turns it took to make that business where it is now. Yeah. You know, Roth and Steven, they started in China looking at how shoes were made, and they thought they could do it on shore. So they bought a factory in Maine and tried to make them in Maine, and they just couldn't get it to work. Like there was, you know, sort of everything that could go wrong did. Can I back up? They bought a factory before they knew that they could figure it out? They thought they had the technology figured out, Got but it. they couldn't get the supply chain to work the right way. They couldn't get the knit structure to work the right way. They just, nothing was working. Okay. Um, and then Roth basically picked up and moved back to China. Um, you know, again, dad of four kids. You know, just there's something to perseverance of like, I'm just going to go figure this out. Like, I think four years of no salary and traveling back and forth is probably a little bit of a luxury. Like, it's hard to do that when you're 20 something also. But there's something to be said from just the grit of I'm going to figure this out. Right. And I'm going to go, I'm going to keep working. And like, if I pivot 10 ways, then that'll be okay too. Totally. Uh, I asked my guests two things on the podcast. What would we be surprised to know about you? Personal, professional, 
It's funny. I knew you were going to ask that, and I still can't come up with a good answer. <laughs> um, you can see this. Um, I'm six feet tall. Um, I have a dad who's six six. So my whole life, my mom would point out tall women who'd slouch and like, "Hey, you got to stand up straight because look how awful it looks to be so tall and, and slouchy." I have the biggest foot by far in the office, and people look at my feet all the time. I'm like, I know, but imagine not in a giant shoe size. How cute the shoe would be. How um, big are your feet? I wear a ten and a half. Okay. I, I mean, thought you were going to say 11, but 10 and a half doesn't seem big because I'm a 10. Yeah, but, you know, it just starts to look bigger and bigger. You know, the good news is I'm six feet, so I would be really bad if I were 5'4". And right. Had the, this that would be bad. Shoe, but yes. <laughs> I have a daughter who's 6'1 and a son who's still growing 6'4", 6'5". So wow. I'm now shortest in my house. You make very, you have very tall jeans in your family. Dad, my gra- you know, grandpa jeans, apparently they pass right through. <laughs> so are your kids taller than your husband? My daughter's short. She's 6'1". Um, and my husband's 6'2", so she's a little shorter, and my son is taller than all of us. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then I know you did give lots of good advice, but what would be like, if you had to say, I hate it when people ask me this question, like, what's one piece of advice, <laughs> but what is something that just anyone, whether they're an entrepreneur or in a company or whatever, can take with them? You know, one thing, um, I, I when, in 2007, um, when com was just a marketing site, I read this book, Why Women Don't Get the Corner Office, and it was because we don't ask. And I went in and talked to my boss the next day, and I was like, hey, I want to run that as e-commerce. And he said, okay. So I think don't don't be afraid to ask. I think, um, I, I don't know, for me personally, and I don't want to overgeneralize all women, but I think a lot of us are like, you know, here's the rules, and let's follow the rules, and it doesn't hurt to ask. Yeah. Because the worst thing that happens is they say no. Right. And then you have to be comfortable that no might happen too, right? Like, you know, thick skin to say like, okay, well, I tried. Yeah. Because maybe, but you never know. it. Just don't be afraid to ask. Totally. Awesome. Is there anything you wanted to cover that I didn't cover? I love what you're doing. I think um, <laughs> what you have done in many ways, um, I think your stores are beautiful and what you've been doing with technology is amazing, but I love more than anything what you're doing to try and help women founders. So thanks, um, thanks for continuing to push that. I think we all have to help each other out. Totally. Um, and like life is too short to um, to not have a girls club to help each other. So I, I like that you to help you. each other up. That's good. It's what we should be doing. Right. No, I like it. It's better than help each other out. Yeah. You know, when I was 21 and at McKinsey, um, you know, women wore blue suits and just tried to be like the men. Right. And that's so not aspirational. And so I think for all of us, like, how do you just be open and honest of here's who I am and what I want to be? And, you know, I'm messing things up and we can help each other. Like those things that just didn't necessarily work with the way I was raised. And like, I think we can change that. Awesome. And I think what you're doing is amazing. So thank, thank you. you. Yeah. Thanks for being on. Thanks. That was Carrie Cooper. I hope you enjoyed all her tips about entrepreneurship and building a strong culture. For more about what she's up to, you can follow at Rothy's. 